FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. This is the end. This is the end, beautiful friend. It's sad but truth. This is the final Pulpmex wrap-up show. It's been about four years ago that Steve reached out, and I did the first one for show 376 with my buddy Hal Simpson and a guy named Moser. And now we're here at show 526 with two of my favorite guests. So let's just get them on here so we can get this thing started. First up, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. He's the partnership manager at Michelin two-wheel division, the fastest man in Piedmont, my good friend, Randy Richardson. Oh, dark side. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on this, uh, this last, this final one. And, uh, on behalf of Michelin, honored to be a part of, uh, your hard work and what you've done through the years. So thank you for having me on, bud. Well, it's an honor to have you on and also an honor to have on with us, one of the main guys behind Verb Moto, and he's brought to us tonight by Guts Racing, my other good buddy, Wes Williams. What's going on, Wes? Woo-woo! Is it weird to always like, clap for myself when you do that? No. Okay, cool. That's Get what I was doing. So. Self-promotion. Yeah, hey, I, I, I mirror Randy's uh, sentiment here, man. I uh, What an honor to be on your very last uh, wrap-up show here, man. It's a bit bittersweet. I've been listening to uh, like John Denver for the past two hours, just getting <laughs> that nice, somber mood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and make sure some tears rolling down my face. I got a beer ready to pop oh. at the end, you know, pour one out for the boys. Man, I was listening um, to Lamb yeah, of God, could... Lamb of God and Slayer and moshing <laughs> in my living room. <laughs> wow. We, 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 we went opposite ends. Okay, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I do. Before we get going, I want to give a shout out to Nick Still from Moto Limited. He was one of the first guys that really helped. He, he started taking notes for me and timestamps to help me find audio. And then Steve Hall, another Australian who did the same thing. And he's done that for a couple of years now, just, just because they enjoy the show, giving me notes every Monday or Tuesday morning. Uh, thank you to both those guys and to all the guys, anybody that was ever a part of the, uh, the show, co-host wise, sponsors, 
Thank you very much. But we're going to get into this tonight. We're finishing up this revolutionary, trend-setting, and historic wrap-up show by covering an off-season show, number 526, with my boss, Michael Lindsay, in studio, Ken Roxon, Phil Nicoletti, Checkers, Chad Watts, A-Ray, and even Jordan Burns calling in. Uh, and stay tuned at the end of the saying, Steve Mathis pre-recorded with me last night. He had some thoughts. And my suspension guy, Clay Olson from PDR Performance, came on to defend me a little bit with my fork height, which we will get to. They're all going to be on at the end of the show. <laughs> but let's go with you first, Randy. You're giggling there. Go ahead. What do you got? What's on your mind? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you and your suspension guy can kind of flush that out later at the end of the show. But the main thing is, Steve's thing, it is pre-recorded, so I don't have to listen to it, right? You like, do I'm not. I'm subjected to hearing more of that. <laughs> you do not. That this, will, right? We will wrap up this wrap-up show with Steve wrapping up the wrap-up show. Right, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Good. I'm glad <laughs> I don't have to hear that. Uh, so, Randy, I want to get your thoughts on 526. Um, overall thoughts on the show. It's off-season. Not a ton of stuff going on. What were some key things that stood out? And I also want to get your thoughts on Michael Lindsay as a co-host, because he is a guy that I think is polarizing. It's There's not really a lot of in-between when it comes to Michael. You either like him or you do not like him. Yeah, was, uh, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to quote the, the Chris Kiefer and go, you know, Michael Lindsay, either love him or hate him. And, and I love the guy because he's got such a strong passion for the sport and, uh, and, and an extremely knowledgeable person. He's well-connected throughout many – uh, channels within the sport and knowledgeable on the technical side. He understands it on the marketing advertising side. He has uh, carved out a he's carved out a, a few places in uh, within the industry, you know, niche places on his own. And uh, I like the guy. I'm a fan of him. Uh, he, he's like me. He's a man of few words, but like me, he will use him over and over and over and over. But, uh, sure. No, I like the guy. I like the guy. Did the, how was the show though for an off season show? Was it were you entertained? Did you get anything out of it? Yeah, for me, I think it's very entertaining. Uh, anytime you get one, if you, anytime you get Ken Roxon on there, you're going to get just some true uh, heartfelt candor. You're going to get some just some some straightforward uh, his opinion on things, his mm -hmm. hot takes on stuff, which is cool. Uh, Chad Watts, it was good to hear from him, and then. Uh, you know, again, Phil Nicoletti, anytime he's on there, it's great stuff. So uh, all in all, I thought it was a great uh, off-season show. Um, sometimes some of that some of that off-season stuff, when you don't have race stuff to cover, um, it, it, it kind of sparks some some creative conversation. And, and I thought this was another one of those uh, another one of those shows. I, I agree with you, Wes. How about you, you, man? Same thoughts or maybe something different? I all, all the same. And I and. I, I love Michael. Um, I can appreciate anybody who busts their ass as hard as, as any of us do. Um, and Michael's definitely right up in there. I mean, the guy was talking about driving a freaking box van from California to Florida straight on and freaking punching himself so hard he cried. So, um, and you know, it's, uh, and, and now that he's even at vital and, and, you know, he's got you and, and, and Lewis, uh, you know, he, he's rounded up a, a very competitive team over there. So, uh, you know, we got our, our, us media guys have our work cut out for us. So, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, all, all you guys are great friends, hard workers. And uh, I freaking, I think he's awesome. He definitely knows way more about bikes than I do. Although I can tell you the dark side, I would, um, I know how to set my, uh, my forks properly. So, um, I don't, I don't, I know more than you. So that's good. Look, man, my, well, you guys can stay tuned, but my guy still, uh, he still stands by it. I he, I did what he told me to do. He stands by it, and we saw if you if you were paying attention to social media today, 
There is some GP guys running them the same way, and uh, somebody from Dakar's run it the same way. So it's uh, okay, okay, yep. okay. So I'm ahead of the game, boys. <laughs> Trendsetter. Trendsetter. Uh, first thing I want to say is a complaint. No video for 526. You're telling me, Steve Mathis, just because because Marks is sick, you can't run cameras? You've been doing this show for 50 freaking years, and you can't run cameras without the Dune Goon. Yeah, what it's, it's, the it's pathetic. There's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. No excuse. Um, I mean, I'm here right now by myself, and I can turn my cameras on if I need to. It's not that hard. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think I think if it had already been uh, Life Swap and, and Kiefer had been there, he would have pulled it off. Of course he would have. He would have stepped up, and he would have had those cameras rolling, unlike Steve that – Apparently doesn't know how to uh, doesn't know how to turn the cameras on. So that, I mean, that it, sucks. It's literally a button. Turn the camera on, Steve. It's not that hard. You, you guys think that, but like David Eisner with DMXS, uh, he still has his cables color coordinated from I swear to God twenty years ago. <laughs> and like you go over there and like he's knowing how to do everything. He's like I swear to God, Wes, if you mess with one of these cables, like you're dead, dude. Like so, I, I have a feeling Steve must be the same damn way. Like, hey, it seems easy to us geniuses. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, someone like him, I mean, that's understandable, you know, let's give the guy a break. Well, I can't tell you how many times on this wrap up show, I've talked about how this show would be a complete failure would not work without Mark. So I think we, pr- it was proven <laughs> Monday night that the heart of the show is Mark's even Talon was struggling. He was, he sounded tired. Uh, he was missing his buddy. He, he just, he seemed depressed. I mean, obviously the Pulp Mix show is Mark's. So Good job, Dune Goon. You're the man. Um, all right, let's start with what I think was the most important story from Monday night. It's all the moto industry is talking about right now. It's that time of the year again. Pulp, Pulp Mix Fantasy's back, boys. Uh, Wes, I don't know how much of a fantasy player you are. It's awesome. 40 bucks. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Here, you finish. Okay. Yeah, you need you need to include all the all the money spiels because uh, that's what talked me going back into it. Yeah, I think it was. It's, I paid today or yesterday. It's forty bucks for the whole year. That's nothing. Uh, you, you have a chance in Supercross to win a twenty three Yamaha YZ four fifty F, along with tons of other prizes, including some Starcross sixes or some prizes in there for Michelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for Supercross. For outdoors, you can win a YZ two fifty F. I think super motocross, you can win an intense e-bike. And then there's a couple random, there's a 450F random and a, a TTR 110 random for playing. If you play for the entire series, tons of killer, killer prizes. And it's all for 40 bucks and you're having a blast. Go ahead, Wes. I will tell you this. I, everybody mentioned it on the show, like how bad it pisses you off. <laughs> I refused to play last year. Uh, I had a new, a new kid. And, uh, and I was like, I just refused to put myself in the position to be this upset on Saturday nights. And so I decided to skip the year. And even when I was on pole last time, I, I kind of dogged it. I said, I'm never doing it again. And I can tell you by listening to the show, I'm going to go spend my 40 bucks and yeah. sign up again. Deal with the headache. <laughs> but I even have to be the freaking industry idiots. I always said I wasn't going to subject myself to that either. But I'm like, you know what? Like, they make it sound like they suck so bad, even though they don't. But I, dude, if I can beat Parabinos on this like one weekend or like JT, like I'll be stoked. Like yeah. I consider that a win. Well, I did not, Randy, sign up for industry idiots because I think now that everybody knows my financial situation, I, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but Randy, I don't, I don't, I feel like you don't play. I, I, 
I don't. I haven't. Um, I, I did one year, and I got. I guess got frustrated with the fact that I, I couldn't follow it. I didn't understand it well enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. I don't know what it is. It could be a generational. I could be a generational talent because I'm 56 years old. So <laughs> I could be so old that I don't understand the thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely suck at it. So it was a it was a waste of money for me. It'd be, I'd be better off to either uh, send send Pookie a forty dollar gift card um to starbucks or somewhere like that or to just sponsor you and the industry idiot so if you want in industry idiot start side uh i'm sponsoring you for 2023 okay oh i think i can afford it if i wanted to i just and i know you can yeah i'm not saying you can't right that's not the 800 hundred dollar question right. what i'm saying is i will sponsor you for that if you want to play industry okay idiots, buddy. all right well let's listen to a little bit of audio from monday night about how serious these guys take it big day so pulp mx fantasy is launched, and I played the audio that Mark's made for Michael Lindsay and Pookie <laughs> of your excitement, so good. your excitement for fantasy, uh, and then your your reaction after Anaheim won. Yeah, it's um this this game is so entertaining. Um, for those of you who play it, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but for those who haven't, uh, there's really nothing else out there that can make the the race as entertaining as fantasy does for me unfortunately uh i don't handle things all that well a lot of the time and uh when my chosen riders on my fantasy team choose to crash or go down in the first turn or just simply ride poorly it negatively affects the quality of my life <laughs> For several days, um, this might this might be a personal problem that I need to seek help for. But it's it's a real thing. Like I I am noticeably downtrodden all of Sunday if I have a bad fantasy day. Some of my picks, you're just like, what are you thinking? Like afterwards, you're like, what were you thinking? Because whatever happened was really obvious, right? After the fact, of course. All day a top ten guy, arguably top five, mm. and doesn't make the main event. I wa- I literally want to come out of the stands and start beating him <laughs> with a tough block. <laughs> Honestly, because if I do that, I hate myself too much, and I'm scared of of what I'll do to myself, the mental <laughs> anguish that I will I will put myself through if I do something like right. that. It's the it's when I pick the safe guys that should get me a decent score, and they just poop the bed. That's when I can't handle it because I'm I'm not taking risks, and then you're going to yeah. cram it up my cram hole anyway. It makes me feel very unprofessional because I'm pretty sure I've mother effed a uh, few riders out loud in the press oh, box. Oh, I have so many. Oh my god, JT, so are you sticking to the no Jerry rule for 2023? That's like a lifestyle decision. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, so, Randy, my favorite quote in there was JT saying, when my riders choose to crash, like, yeah, he is so mental over this game. <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious. Like, I, I feel, I really do feel like JT might need some help. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I think, I think one of the things is, uh, JT is obviously an incredibly competitive person, right? Like, that's why he was so successful for so many years. Um, as a you know privateer journeyman throughout his career, and then uh, he's been very successful at, at fly racing and so on. But he's obviously very competitive, and so he understands the mindset of those racers, right? And and he was always a guy that worked hard, dug deep, and and would you know close in and make those passes at the end of the race. So he sees it from so many different angles that the average you know 
couch potato uh, player doesn't see it. So, yeah, I love how he gets so fired up about it and how he gets so frustrated with these racers who are effectively the next generation of <laughs> what he was years ago. Right? Right. So it's awesome. Can you imagine picking him back when he was racing, like for some of the nights he had? <laughs> hey, hey, he, he would have been like, uh, he would have been like Michael Lindsay driving across the country. He would have punched himself <laughs> in the face until he cried. Yeah. Uh, Wes, I want to ask you about, you know, a Ray eventually calls in cause they, they brought up the warning, when you pick a Ray and he says, no, man, we got to keep it. You know, God forbid they don't know. And I KO myself. Hey, you were warned. Like, uh, I just like, even the writers getting involved. A lot of the writers are into it. Some of them don't care, but guys like a Ray make it even more fun. Yeah. And you know what? One thing you didn't mention is like having that warning and being the only one that had that warning. I feel like it makes you special <laughs> sure. KO yourself or not. Like they're asking, should they add it to Jerry and Jeremy might be mad. I'd be like, no, I want to be the only one with that little toggle. Like it makes me feel cool. Yeah, yeah. And how about how about the JT's analogy of Jerry being like a woman of the night? I know she's bad for me, but she can show, <laughs> probably show me a good time. These <laughs> guys are just nuts, man. Over this, it's yeah, the, the, the temptations there, right? The temptations there. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been Jerryed a couple times for sure. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I'm in. I can't wait to. I can't wait for it to start. So it's gonna be good times. Next thing I want to talk about is this new 250 rule. Let's listen to the audio. We'll discuss. The only way you're getting out of 250 class is, is by winning, winning championships. championships. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I like that better or worse, but I do like it better than taking a fucking dive, which is what guys yep. were doing. Once it was 135 points for seven or eight races, uh, three years in a row, and if you got that, you were also kicked out of the class. Well, that's why J-Mart skipped races. That's why Shane McElroy skipped races, yep. and so on and so forth, which make, is a joke of a rule. And now, Michael, you're only getting out if you win championships. I guess it's okay. I guess it's better. Same. It's it's better, but it's still broken. Yeah. Better, still fucked. Yeah. It's eh. better than taking dives. Yes. Imagine if you're paying some rider to not race. That that seems a little out there also. So yeah. better than that, but yeah, still need some some still need some real work uh on the rule at all. Fuck you, you're fired. All right. <laughs> Wes, what what do you think, man? I mean, <laughs> Small improvements. Steve's still not happy. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Are they trying? Of course. And I think it's way better. Now, in in that segment, I was, like, waiting for them to offer what's the next lineage of this to make it better. If it's still so fucked, what what can we do to fix it? I'm happy because now, I don't know. I've always used Bogle as a great example. He was lucky enough to win a damn championship his first year. But then he's 450. I feel like he could have had a way better career had Mm -hmm. he not had to get boosted out of there, right? So, like. I love. I guess in that scenario, he still would get boot, he'd still get booted up. But like, I don't know. I I I I think the only way to make it better is make it somewhat like a first year dude that wins the championship. You know, a Cunard status. Maybe you get lucky, or you know, right place, right time, and it happens for you. I think you should at least be able to get two or three years in there before you get booted up. Even if you do win, maybe that's the only thing that makes it better. Um, I scanned Twitter because uh, someone brought it up too. Like what is the next suggestion? And someone's like, maybe there is a salary cap. I have no idea how you'd police that. It's probably would be impossible. That'd probably be the only other thing I could see being in place. But I, I don't know, like our sport's so small and so niche, like let the dudes race whatever damn class they want. Like when, if you're a damn good 250 rider, just freaking stay down there and make as much money as you can, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Steve's two options were either you make it like three years and you're out no matter what, or you make it wide yeah, open. But it's a full series. It, 
but then then you just then you dilute the shit out of the 450 class. Yeah, like, there's no it, good answer. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there's no good answer. Now you got a million dudes having to race 450s. And, and like the 250 class would be pretty weak at that point. Like, I mean, look at someone like Fortner or even Hampshire. Like, it, it just takes so long to come into your own in this day and age. Like, there's no such thing as a James Stewart anymore. Right. Um, but like, like Max it, Bowler. It takes you two or three. Yeah, it takes you two or three years to figure shit out. Like, I just don't think that uh, get getting booted out of there in two or three years is definitely not the right answer. Um, but e- either way, I think that this step is is, is a massive one forward uh, for the sport. How about you, Randy? Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's it's been flawed since uh, you know since the likes of Jeremy Buell, you know, that pointed out early in in the early '90s, right? Like pointed out and had to go up to 250 or what have you. Um, for me, I think that if you start from from scratch and you say, all right, a a, a rookie 250cc rider has three years, um, you're guaranteed three years. And okay, if they're a uh, uh, what was it? <laughs> Kenny Watson called him a phenom. So if they're a phenom, phenom. and they win, <laughs> if they're a phenom and they win their championship the first year, what what's wrong with giving them two more years, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you should be guaranteed three years there to to um, as a safety net, right there to to guarantee to to earn your skill set before going up the four fifties. But if you're you know your third year. Um, you you win a championship. Oh, sure, you can defend it one, then move up. Um, and, and one of the things that's challenging is is back when you know Big Dave Coombs created this whole concept of East versus West. And it was kind of a builder program, a feeder program up to the then 250cc was these 125 East and West. It received nowhere near as much airtime, right? And and so now, uh, because we're very fortunate that that this racing series is live on TV, the every single lap of 250cc, whichever coast you're on, is covered just like every single lap of 450cc. So if it were a uh, if it received less airtime, then 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 racers may want to move up and move out um, to get to that 450, that premier class, but. But every single race that happens is is showcased with the same uh, glitz and glamour uh, throughout the three hour broadcast, right? So yep. there's no different uh, differentiation there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think it's good. I think it's a step in the right direction what they've done. But I think that you know a true rookie, you know, for example, Caden Braswell. I bring him up because he's number two twenty two, right? So he's gonna he's gonna make his debut uh, the East Coast in uh, in 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 uh, Houston this coming year he should be guaranteed three years right mm-hmm. but if he wins a championship let's say his second year okay he gets to defend what have you I, to me i think it's a step in the right direction but uh someone will always find fault in the the, the situation no matter how no matter what it is of course of course yeah it's it's definitely no longer a regional feeder system like you said it was originally designed mm-hmm. where you know, guys with no factory rides yeah. were, were racing their their coast because that's where they're from, and instead mm-hmm. now they're you know all coming out of either a factory teams or training mm-hmm. facilities, and they pick a coast. Yeah, it's totally totally different scenario than it was originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manufacturing company, offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lamson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. 
If it's style performance you want, you come to the right place. So check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. All right, I made a joke earlier that the fantasy was the biggest news of the year, of the offseason currently, but truly, Steve actually had the guy that was really the talk of the offseason, and I'm not talking about Troy Dog. I'm talking about Ken Roxon making the move to help, uh, Suzuki. Big, big news. We're going to listen to a little bit of what they had to say about this move, what they think about it, and we'll break it down. This change to Suzuki for me doesn't affect his title chances in my mind. He's the same sort of title chances, and I think he can win races on this thing. I just, I absolutely think he can win races. Look, he's had problems staying in the championship for all 17 and all 12, so that's not going to change on either bike, I don't think. Yep. But is there any doubt in your mind that he can win races on this? Absolutely not. Um, I'll be 100% honest. He's my pick for A1. I think Kenny falls into a category kind of like a Chad Reed to me where I think if he really wants to make it happen, if he wants to prove a mm -hmm. point, I think he has the talent and the mental ability when he wants to to maybe push beyond what should be possible. Because if it's all clicking, I think he can will himself even if you went, oh, yeah. the bike is 5% worse than everything he's racing, I think he can make up the difference. In it. Right. So, again, I 100%, I if he wins A1, great for Suzuki, great for Hep, great for him. I'm not going to be shocked because that's that's my pick. I love our sport in that it's 90% dirt bike rider and 10% yeah. machine that's, or whatever you want. Like that's I just, what's huge because we could talk about other forms of auto racing. You don't have guys that can drop down. Like, let's let's be honest. If you looked at all the factory teams, if you, you compared it to like an NASCAR and F1, HEP in your mind would be the worst factory 450 team. You'd be like, hey, if, if this was car racing where it's more focused on the car, it's like even if you put the best guy in it, they might be able to get a spot or two better where in our sport they can – be 10 spots better yeah. on the bike. I don't see why the bike can't be just as good as anything out there. Are they going to be as good as electronics as Honda? No, but I would yeah. argue that a lot of people aren't on the level of electronics as Honda, but I wouldn't put that as a huge deal, and suspension's going to be as good as ever, so... It's just hard to look at them and go, yeah, these guys are going to be there every week and week out. It's just... there's they have to. They have to prove it. They could pull it off, but they have to prove it. I, I would agree with you on that, and I would 100% agree with you that Kenny can win races on this bike. Randy, I don't completely agree with Steve on the like he he's not given him much of a shot at the championship and I may be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit probably because he bought me dinner Kenny bought me dinner in Paris maybe that's all it is but his attitude and the way he seems to be acting right now like I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid I think a championship is not guaranteed by any means but I'm a much higher percentage than Steve seems to be and even and even Michael they they feel like just races but I think the championship's very much uh, in contention for him. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the the only thing, and, and not to throw shade on on Kenny or his challenges he's faced in the past years, but I would say that that um, Kenny will be more of a reason why he wouldn't win the championship than Suzuki is. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, like like Steve and those were saying or Steve and Michael were saying, um, the majority of the the largest 
portion of the success pie is the rider themselves, right? And certainly you have to fine-tune a bike and, and get things set up to, to suit the rider and what they need and have their comfort level and everything. And to hear uh, Kenny's interviews on, on several different platforms regarding being back on this bike, he, he feels at home and he's uh, rejuvenated, inspired, and that's awesome. Um, so I don't think that a, a, a bike with a Kickstarter will hold him back. Um, and I think that, that, you know, Jamie from Twisted Development and, and everyone within that team, uh, especially Larry Brooks, that guy's won a lot of championships as a team manager, right? So, so that entire group will do an incredible, incredible amount of, of work to get Kenny where he needs to be. Um, but, but respectfully, Kenny needs to get his mindset right for the entire season for him to be where he needs to be. I actually, I 100% agree with you. He is a guy that, there's been other times when he comes into the season, and I have some audio I'm going to play in a second where I'll talk about this more, but he comes in, he's got the suit on, he's full confident, and then all of a sudden, mentally, you can tell he's off. So it really does, I do agree with you. I think it's going to be 100, I'll go 99%. I'm not going to go 400. Mm-hmm. 99% what his mentality is throughout the season. Uh, Wes, go, oh, go ahead. I'm going to go 90, I'm going to go 94%, just 94%. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I concede 94%. Uh, Wes, mm-hmm. how about you, man? Before you go, the other point that he, that yep. Michael made that I thought was really good was when you take the, the point, if you compare this to like a NASCAR mm-hmm. team that help would be the worst of the 450 factory teams, Wes, I, that's, that actually was a pretty good point and analogy. Yeah, and, and I, 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 everything we've said I agree with, but one thing to add to it is, is Kenny always seems to be the strongest weapon when he's having fun and into himself, mm-hmm. so whether it's wearing the suit or uh, off-season eating donuts or whatever the hell. Like, you know, Ken, when he's having fun and, and getting to be himself, he's going to be the strongest dude, and he always seems to start the series strong. It's normally after that that uh, we see him start tapering off, so... Who knows if he's had a fun off season, which he obviously has, getting to ride all the different bikes. Now he's loving this bike, super gelling. I the problem if he goes and wins a one, I almost feel like that's that's hard for him because now the pressure is actually on. Mm. His whole interview is he was kind of trying to mm. set up like, hey, this is a fun rebuilding year for me. I think he wants to go in with low expectations uh, and low pressure, but he's Ken Roxon. I don't think that'll ever happen. Like you. you, you you are who you are for a reason. So everybody's going to be looking at you to win. But the tone in that interview was like, Hey, I'm having fun. I don't want to have this pressure. Uh, thanks for picking me to win a one, but that's, it didn't really even sound like that was his goal. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I definitely wouldn't put it past him either. I actually have that audio. We're going to hear it in just a second. When he came on before we get to that, just off the top of your head, uh, Wes, like what percentage would you have given on him picking Hep when, he was riding all the different bikes over, say, Firepower, Club MX Yamaha, or even the, you know, privateer, his own team with the Kawasaki's from Pro Circuit. Like, where would you have put Hep? I mean, it's so tough to say. It just kind of depends on his mindset because I'm obviously everybody wanted the guy. So I don't know. I, I think Ken's had such a rough go of the past few years. He hasn't been happy with the bike and probably not happy with himself uh, quite a few times. I feel like going this route again gives him the lowest amount of pressure which will allow him to excel the most um you know it's not mm-hmm. you you won't have the whole honda japanese crew breathing down your neck every day if you get third place which you know if, if you're on that team that's the expectation if he gets third place on the suzuki they're going to be treating him like a king so i don't know i think where he's at in life um 
it's probably going to be a really good reset for them. And it's a great reset for that team, a huge step up. And, uh, you know, it, it, they're both going to be able to uh, achieve each other's goals. Randy, did you think there was a good percentage that he might go to Suzuki? Because I would have probably been less than 10%. I thought no way he's going to the HEP team. Yeah, I've already used up that 94%, so I would say <laughs> that the, six, the remaining 6%. The, yeah, okay. Or if you're Steve, if you're Steve <laughs> Mathis, the remaining 8%. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would say it's a small percentage, and yeah. it's, it's super cool to hear him tell the story about how, you know, once he rode the bike, that kind of flipped the switch for him. Um, and I, and I agree with what Wes was saying. I think that a, a, a fun, uh, Ken Roxon is a fast Ken Roxon. Yes. And I think that, and I think that he's probably, um, communicating not only to, to Steve and Pulp Mix listeners and to fans like us, but also probably communicating to himself that he's, um, uh, verbally kind of deflecting a bit of the expectation uh, for him that will, will help him come in healthier and, and fun and lower pressure. So he's kind of deflecting that expectation so that he can come in and have fun and, and, and kick ass and win races. So, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. Okay. There's a really great interview up on vital MX by some guy named Jamie with hmm. Kyle Chisholm. And that actually gets pretty in depth with how that situation went with Kenny and when he rode the bike. So if anybody wants to check that mm-hmm. out, go ahead. Guys doing yeah. good work over there. But let's listen to the audio where Kenny does kind of discuss why he went to HEP and how he feels about his upcoming season. I was told by someone that would know that he probably thought you would have a 10% chance to sign with the HEP guys, but you were trying the bike. But you were, it seems like, Kenny, you were just that impressed with the bike that that's where you pivoted. Yeah, like you said, it did something to me. Um I've been on that bike a lot, though it does feel a lot different than what I was on, for example, in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, But my main goal, like I've been with Honda for so many years and um, I had complaints about the bike and my main goal, like, was to kind of expand my, my horizon again a little bit and try something different and Mm -hmm. spark it up a little bit in my, in my career. I was pretty sold on um, going with Yareev. I ended up going up there for a couple of days. I rode it, and um, I ended up going with uh, going with those guys, and I'm really stoked that I did. Um, but I just had a good feeling about it. It felt familiar, right? I really like the size of the bike. Like the bike felt bigger to me than the Honda, and that's what I kind of what I liked about it. I really like the balance of the bike, and I think the the frame stiffness is well thought out. I trust the frame and the rigidity and the, the stability and the stiffness and control it gives you. Yeah, in your mind, um, you can win races on this thing, hundred percent. You're ready. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That bike can win, hundred percent. Probably as much of an underdog, maybe as you've ever been, Kenny. Right. So it's kind of yeah. a neat position for you. Yeah, I'm cruising right now. Honestly, like I have, I don't. Anaheim's coming up, and I just want to. My main goal is to to feel the team out, right? Like, this is going to be our first rodeo, which I'm really excited about. I think it's going to be fun figuring each other out. Um, of course, also putting the bike in racing situations for me personally. I think there's so much new and exciting stuff going to happen that mm-hmm. I'm going to look at Anaheim and all these races from a different perspective, which is exactly what I needed. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't really want to put pressure on myself. If I win, great. If not, like I just really want this to be a working progress, and I want to be I want to be into it. I want to be into my riding and focus and kind of have fun with the situation and just and just rebuild, you know. And wherever I'm wherever I'm at, I will be fine with it. And then I'm going to work 
forward and and try and get better each and every day i go out in the track and and what you know and whatever it may be like i, I might go into the first race and afterwards i'll be like oh i need to i need to uh you know work on this or i need to do the bike better or whatever mm-hmm. it may be i want to attack that and then see if we can get it better and just be into it so randy there's some things in that that i like and there's some things that i don't like so much but you guys kind of seem you mentioned him a little bit ago but i like when he he talked about wanting to expand expand his horizons like basically i was i thought about riding for Yareev, but i've already been on a honda so i wanted to try that i want to go back to the suzuki it's been a while let's let's try a new team let's try some new people being around me i like that but when he says like if i win okay if not it's just a rebuild i kind of don't dig that oh hum hum or whatever type of attitude like i want him to either say no this is a rebuild year we're just learning or i'm going to win I kind of don't like that. Well, if I win, it's okay. If I don't, it's okay. I don't know why that bothers me. Yeah, he had a little bit of a uh, little bit of JT waffling. It sounded <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't like it. Like a couple years ago, I think maybe two years ago, he was like, "Oh, uh, you know, it is what it is." I'm like, well, really? Is it what it is? No, you're you need to go win. I don't know. <laughs> it, it bugs me. If, if, and, and the old Southern phrase: "If if it is what it is, well, it ain't what it ain't." So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, with how, how do you feel about all that though? You feel like. Do you feel that he's just kind of trying to keep himself motivated or trying to convince himself this is a good idea? Um, I don't know. It, it, he's he's uh, he's an interesting you know character to try to figure out, mm-hmm. right? And I'll go back to, to what I was saying. You know, a a a fun Ken Roxon is definitely a fast Ken Roxon. Um, I think he. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I'm saying this wrong. He's won championships, and you have to admire that, right? You you have to race well under pressure to win championships. Um, but at the same time, I think he performs better when there's lower pressure. Yeah. And 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 to what was said earlier, um, if if they start off with consistent podiums, that team will be stoked. Um, whereas if he had consistent podiums with Factory Honda they're trying to figure out what's, what's going wrong. Like what's, what's, what's the problem. So good point. Um, yeah, yeah, I I think, I think that while he may be, uh, waffling now, or he may be kind of, you know, indecisive as to what he truly, truly expects to do, uh, in 2023, I think, uh, within, you know, four to six rounds into the series, he has to make a commitment to, uh, winning races and championships or rebuilding and and not play both sides of that fence. I agree. Wes, another thing he said in that audio and then something that he didn't say, it was said elsewhere, was the fact that he's looking at these upcoming races from a different perspective, basically. like He's just like last year with Eli and Malcolm and Jason, a new, a new team, a new um, – New environment gives you a new outlook, and I, he is looking at it a little differently, which I think is very good for him. And he also mentioned later in the interview that for years, usually he's with the same people for years and years and years. And this change of environment, he mentioned that is, is makes is rejuvenating him. So I feel pretty confident that he's going to be okay mentally. But I mean, again, I may be just drinking the Kool Aid. I, I think he just has given himself plausible deniability here. If <laughs> okay. he comes out and, and, and has <laughs> has a great round, he's like, well, you know, I didn't have high expectations. Didn't he kind of do that with outdoors this year? At yeah, the start? And, yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's just trying to learn how to play that game so, like, no one can point a finger and say you didn't do what you said you are going to do. Like, he, <sighs> he just plays it cool like this. He wins. 
sweet. I, I didn't expect that. Or if he gets 10th place, well, hey, guys, I told you we're in a rebuilding year. So, um, you know, I, I think he's just learned to go this route because being like the most popular guy in our sport, what, 1.5 million followers, like he, he gets he gets it from every angle all the time. So I think he's just learned to play like this nice center line of like not putting too much pressure on himself. And I mean, I, I think honestly in this situation, it's the smartest way he can go. Like he, he looks like the hero either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I want him to do so well. Like he's not my pick, but I want that guy. I want him within 10, but on the final race, like let's go. I, mean, I, I would, I'll say this. I would love nothing more to see freaking Ken Rocker win a championship. Like, it, like they said, he's, yep. the, he's the underdog of the underdog now, like sure. in scenario. And, and like what, it, what it, we've all wanted to see Ken Rockson win a damn championship after his arm injury. So like what better way to, put a cherry on top of that story if you were to do yeah. it on Suzuki Can't of all argue. bikes, right? Can't argue so, with that. Like, like, even if he gets a top three in the series, he's still a hero. So like I said, like, I, I, no matter what happens here, I feel like I feel like he comes out victorious. Yeah, you mentioned a minute ago how he gets it from all sides and having so many followers. He got it on all sides in this audio, too, from this, uh, another bike he rode this year. Looking at your Instagram and stuff, you look like you had a lot of fun on the bike, and, and I've spent some time on the Alta, and they're pretty cool. Why do some people just got to hate on the thing, though? Like, I've read through your comments. Like, okay, like, if you don't like electric oh. bikes, that's cool. Like, whatever. That's no problem. Like, just like the e-bike oh. thing, man. Why people do people, just what, what? hate to hate. I don't know what's going on. I I see, you know, back in the day, it's just like when you lo- love dirt bikes, like, it's like what you say. We like gas-powered vehicles, you know what I mean? But, dude, you can't. You have to look at this thing. This thing is freaking amazing. It's fast as shit. It feels way different, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it's a completely different writing it's same same and different right mm-hmm. so it was just cool yeah. i wrote it like i gave my two cents about it and it's just like i just like i just there was just so much heat and so much tension <laughs> as always yeah. right <laughs> and i'm like dude i just like riding dirt bike and yeah. i got this opportunity like why can't you just take it for what it is right like yeah, calm down people, everybody i mean calm it's, down. It's, it's it's next level honestly we all talk you know you see people in there like i've been in motocross forever like this is ruining mm. like what we're all here because we like riding dirt bikes and fun. This is fun. I'm not yeah. telling you you have to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm having fun doing it. Yeah. Some people are going to have fun uh, doing it. What is the problem with that? Yeah, Wes, this was a mini rant, and I've had this rant many, many times because uh, of some of the feedback I get on my own stuff. It's like, I don't understand where people will come from, like why there has to be so much hate on pretty much anything ever that gets posted. It just has to be some negative. It, it seems so simple. It is an electric motorcycle that you are not being forced to ride, but it's a motorcycle. They're fun. Like what? what I, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I don't get people. I don't get social media. I just, I don't get it. I, I've gotten yelled at by freaking old ladies going up a trail because I'm on an e-bike and I'm like, are you, are you for real right now? Like <laughs> I'm having fun on a mountain bike, getting out, getting exercise. I'm not smoking weed in the fucking woods with your kid. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy that people could even, even like hate on progression. Progression is what keeps everything alive, whether it's the freaking economy or dirt bike racing. The 250 rule, it's progression right. of the sport. Uh, you know, and, and there's so many other things that I feel like should progress as well. You know, the 40 minute motos is how the men used to do back in the day. Like, we're a new sport. Things need to evolve and change because that evolution is what keeps new people coming back it allows us to go to new places and i i don't know to see ken take the time to ride that bike i was a i i thought i was so badass i've always been a, a big fan of ken and 
that that was just another box check for me. I'm like, dude, that's that's rad. It um, was. I know he right? got a lot of shit for all yeah. that bike riding in the off season. But I'm like, dude, this guy figured out how to get more play than everybody combined in the off season. So freaking suck it. He was having so much fun. He left Paris and went rode I mean, he rode the Stark, then you know, he raced in Paris, he went rode the Yamaha, he went rode the Suzuki. Dude was having a good time. And Randy, mm-hmm. if Ken if Ken posted on I mean, I guess you're not supposed to post about this stuff, if he posted that he he donated a million dollars to cancer, you know, uh, awareness or something. They'd be mad that he didn't donate it to something else. Like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, impossible. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 people would have been ranting and raving that he didn't help uh, find a cure for COVID instead of cancer because cancer has <laughs> been around long enough, right? We've yeah. learned to live with it. So, yeah, it's 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 and that and that's one of the things about social media. You know, when, when you're, I, I guess, conversation in person conversations, right? You you especially when you have these these um iconic you know racers or or people that are popular or or whatever you know music whatever if if someone has a chance to meet them you you're just so excited you've got nothing but kind words i'm your biggest fan i love uh, your racing i love watching you race i love your music i love whatever right but people don't have the balls enough to say something negative to someone's face. However, social media just gives them the, uh, what's it? The anonymity to do that. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so people, people will type a lot of things that they, that they surely wouldn't say. Um, but, but I agree with you. Uh, so, so with Ken rocks and he's done a phenomenal job of, of, of bringing more and more awareness to his brand, to his amazing personality. He's a fun loving guy. And for him to go ride bikes of different colors and bikes of different, you know, power plants to go ride the Stark Varg. How awesome is that? I think it, I think it's phenomenal for him to go do that and and think about. Sure, Stark Varg can work with Sebastian Tortelli and he give his feedback and he's a you know former world champion. But someone to the level of Ken Roxon, that's awesome for them to get his feedback on their bike, and it's awesome for Ken, who, as he said, he loves riding a motorcycle. He loves riding two wheels. So uh, for him to go make time to do that, I think it's it's all the way around. It's a win win. The only people that that hate it are a bunch of losers. <laughs> I like that one. I agree. I've yet to meet anybody in person that hated me uh, as much as some of the people on social media. So nobody spoke up yet. And the the whole thing with social media, I think, it really hit me in the face when the guy early on with me in Pulp said that I don't like Dark Side because he's too nice. I was like, holy shit, really. That's what you have. That's what you're going with. Wow, too nice, too nice, Randy. Too nice, buddy. You I don't are, know why. You why are, you'd never go you anywhere in this uh, in this industry being so nice. Yeah, what's that, Wes? <laughs> you should have just quit right then and there, dude. I don't know how you took it. It was tough. That was a tough one. <laughs> uh, either of you, any thoughts on him discussing the the drug test in Europe and his thoughts? Uh, I, it was kind of funny. Not going to mention any names, but he talked about the media guy and said that shit stick that that got a lot of laughs on YouTube. Uh, I think everybody knows who posted that. I have no issues with that gentleman, but it, it was somewhat funny. Did, Wes, one thing I'm confused about did didn't he ride that bike for straight rhythm? Like, I, yeah, I, I think so. He like did. Buddy yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah, he did. So I, it, at first, when I saw the post, I thought it was like a joke at first because because of that. I was like, wait, didn't they not just like do a race together like two weeks ago? So, um, yeah, I, I, you're right. And I, I haven't talked to uh, that media source, in, you know, about this. So I don't have I don't have their side of it. But 
anyway, the, just the overall, Randy, the the drug testing seems like it was just something that, you know, every once in a while it happens with media, right? Things get blown out of proportion. You get bad info or whatever, and that, you know, it stirs the pot a little bit. Yeah, I think if you have a, if you have a uh, uh, miscommunication that's misrepresented and then uh, uh, further miscommunicated, it just uh, gets further further away from whatever the truth was. Of and, course. Uh, yeah. So now that the dust has settled, it's all okay, I think. But. Yeah. Uh, Randy, what do you know about Michelin bicycle tires? Man, you on, I know they were, on the spot. I know we started. They started back in 1891, right? I know that much. And it's uh, how the whole company, Michelin, <laughs> as a tire company, began. And uh, we make a lot of uh, premium quality. Wagons, huh? <laughs> you there? Hello? Yeah. Oh, Wes said something about wagons. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. So like, exactly. The Conestoga wagons on the on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that's how, that's how that's how uh, that's how the wagons got there. Michelin bicycle tires. Um, no, seriously, it's it's a it's a it's a now uh, from a dollar and a volume. It's a very small portion of our global market. Um, however, it's where the iconic brand started with bicycle tires, and we have everything high end. Uh, mountain bike tires for the likes of Cam Zinc, Ethan Nail, uh, Carson Storch, um, Jamie Guida, and uh, damn straight and, and road cycling. So a full range of bicycle tires. Available. Yeah. So he fi- forgot he forgot the Verb Crew in there. Verb Crew too. <clears throat> yeah. Verb Crew. Verb Crew. Yeah. Verb Crew. <laughs> well, you can you guys can follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check them out at bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX Pilot 20-inch tire, or any of the road models. Yes, I have them on my bikes. I love them. Fantastic. And thank you, Randy, for you being a part of this wrap-up show. I'm glad to be a part of it, man. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Randy, that Chad Watts came on. Uh, he's obviously got his own uh, business now, working on bikes. I thought the discussion of the the – coolest bike he's worked on probably was right up your alley the 83 Moog, uh, Mugen HRC Honda 125 handmade 420 hours or so into it I, I figured that's right up your alley yeah I thought that was a really cool story for sure and and I've even though he's from you know he's from North Carolina he's from Shelby North Carolina not too far for probably a couple hours from where I live here in South Carolina um, but I didn't know him coming through the years. He, he, he got his start working with uh, Bars Competition, uh, Bobby Barr. That was an iconic uh, motor builder, worked with Damon Bradshaw, Mike Brown, and so on through the years. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really cool, uh, really cool interview. And, and it is, it, it's honestly, it's like a snapshot back in time. If you think about mechanics like him and Mathis, uh, for those five years and, and Berluti and all these other mechanics that, that were doing everything from changing suspension fluid, revalving suspension, tearing down and rebuilding motors, um, driving the box fan from point A to point B, washing the box fan, getting the laundry, buying the groceries for the racer. Like it's, that's a hard, that's a hard life. Um, no lie. That, that those guys live. It, it really, really is. Yep. Yeah, no lie. And I didn't know much about him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I've even ever heard a, uh, an interview with him. So really? okay. maybe the yeah. judging a book by its cover kind of thing or whatever. But I, when I, he, he is country, Randy, Woo, he's country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you, I almost didn't correlate the voice 
with the job. I was like, wow, the boy, mm-hmm. like he's a country boy, but very obviously very talented at what he does. And it was, it was cool to, for me to kind of get to know him just a little bit in that short interview. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and someone's, uh, skill set or abilities isn't definitely isn't defined by their accent. No, sure. no, of course not. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a good old boy, good old Carolina boy. Yeah. But, but he obviously to, to accomplish what he accomplished to have, you know, the, you know, to go 24 and 0 with Carmichael and, and no DNFs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which he says <laughs> a lot. Um, he, uh, He's very accomplished for sure. Yeah, West the box van story. That's oh my that God, was nuts. Dude. And like I listened to it <laughs> and I was trying to follow it, and it it was actually for me a little confusing night of on Monday night. I guess I I, I was probably on my phone or something at the same time. But when I went back and listened to it today, like the the engine's on fire. They were going to shoot out the window with a shotgun. They tried pulling the door off with a jeep. I like I missed. Like I didn't register all that Monday night, so the re-listen, I was like, "Holy shit!" And then, and then three black ladies that were backup singers for Sir Mix-a-Lot. I'm like, "This just sounds like a joke." It was the craziest story. And then, of course, some nurse that looks like Julia Roberts is there when he wakes up. I was like, "Come on, man!" It it might have been the best part of the show. Like I didn't know that I even wanted to listen to Chad Watt's story until yeah. that came up, and I'm like, "Dude, that might have been the most entertaining part of the whole thing." But. uh on another note, like I, I think, uh, kind of even hit ha- how him and Ricky came came to a close uh, their relationship in, in Honda and everything. Like super aspirational because, like, even where I'm at in my career, uh, you know, there, there's just times where burnout sets in so hard and, and so gnarly, and you know, I had the same damn thoughts of just wanting to freaking pack up all my shit and go home. And uh, to, to hear someone actually have the balls to do it <laughs> at the at the peak of their career, it's uh it's pretty crazy to hear. Um, and, and, you know, to, to see that even if you do do that, there's another side to life. Um, you know, it's not like his life imploded and he never not got another job. He still went on to a crazy amount more success and success and still has all those accolades to hang on his wall too. So, um, yeah, you know what, it, watch this story or whole interview was something I, I didn't know I needed to listen to. Yeah, but I'm glad I did. I agree. And Randy, I, I love that he kept a lot of his memorabilia, and like, yeah. you know, like trophies for himself. Cause you know, we already know Steve's going to give, he, he didn't give Chad any shit about saving stuff, but he sure gives me shit about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and one of the coolest things, uh, to, to me was when he referenced that, that he had, uh, so many of his pit boards right. from, uh, you know, the last lap of the last race or motocross nations or whatever it may have been with, with the original, you know, riding on it. That's cool. I agree. That's super cool. That Um, made me think. So I'm working on a, a, this is totally off the subject. So if you're listening right now, Steve, just plug your ears. I'm working on a Damon Bradshaw feature for Vital. And I went back and I was watching some races. And at one of the races, I think it was 97 Indy or not. I don't remember. I have to go back and look. Maybe 92 Indy. Uh, Stanton's in first. Damon's in second. JMB, John Michelle Bell's in third, and Brian Lunas puts out the pit board that says stinky 11 laps. Mm-hmm. And he, the announcer's like, I don't know what he means by stinky. And I'm like, uh, he's referring to the French guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. That was just like this classic uh, pit board thing that I don't even remember from watching the race back in the day, but that, that stood out. And I asked Damon about it. And he's like, yeah, we had some nicknames for all the different riders, and that was JMB's. 
So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that definitely would have been like '92 uh, or yeah. along that timeline. Because yeah, '97 Bell would have been road racing by right, then. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think. It was, but yeah, '92 yeah, yeah, would do yep. you know Stinky plus four or what have you to to the gap back to where JMB was. Yeah, and uh, Crazy. I don't know if we can do that nowadays. So. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, that would be definitely not PC. Um. So we the X brand tear offs West this week were by Weege, which was kind of cool. We got a little, they were little little different version of X brand than normally with that guy Moser. But he asked a question of Michael Lindsay when he was at the recent Honda intro. Were they worried if he would would have asked Sexton about the rumors that he's going to KTM? And we got this. You know, I said I know you can't talk about it. like what are you looking for though? Is it you know? financial bike team like what what interests you the most in making that decision he answered it pretty decently and then we did joke minorly afterwards about other people making claims of signed contracts when he legally actually still can't sign a contract anywhere else what did he say one and what is your take on what he said so i have my own i have my own opinion so the big thing that caught me on what he said is that you know he would make what was it he said? He said that his decision, he, yes, cared about clicking with the team and the bike way more than money. Money didn't matter anything to him in this case, he said. Um, he also said no matter what anyone else thinks of, like, a bike, he said he would make that decision and make, you know, make his own opinion on it. He really didn't care, like, what other people are saying about a bike. He basically said he would form his own opinion of it. So my, my opinion is that KTM, if they got this deal done, which I believe they have it done or close or will be done. I think they pulled a stroke of genius because they struck at a very vulnerable moment moment for him. Um, I think when they approached him and when they got very aggressive with him, he was unhappy with the motorcycle. He was unhappy mm-hmm. with how testing it went. He was unhappy with how the bike was responding in the early rounds of the series. And they made him a huge offer. I think they basically painted a picture where he would be the number one guy and they're going to build their entire program around him, which I don't blame them for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think they got him, you know, cause I think if they, if they approach him middle of the summer when things are going so well, he's probably like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But they got him at a really, really good time. The information I've been told by somebody's camp over and over is that he legally can't sign a contract anywhere else until next year yeah that's true are we at a point that we're at a foregone conclusion he's going to go there or do you think there's a chance to 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 salvage this on honda's part no i think he goes i think whatever whatever, i think he goes yeah whatever he's Mm -hmm. got going on he has to go Uh, i think he signed an loi that's mm -hmm. that's my personal opinion i don't have any facts to back that up but i think he signed an loi and when he is able to fully execute a contract he will wes this is great pulp mech stuff right a lot of listeners probably don't even know this is going on this is very insightful behind the scenes stuff i mean there have been rumors about this for a while but i i would bet you most listeners didn't know anything about this um so that's really cool that we're getting this information even though it's not signed sealed and delivered just yet but again i, I just think it's pretty cool that this comes up and you know we're, it's it's a big deal it's a big story I mean, I think what's even crazier is that Michael had the balls to ask him uh, about the deal at the Honda thing. So uh, I don't know that I would have done that. I probably would have stuck to the script. So, well, if, yeah, if you uh, don't know Michael well enough, he is not afraid to put his foot in, uh, foot in his mouth or, you know, push the limits of what is okay within a team. Right. So, I, it, yeah, I mean, get, get on him for digging in deep. And uh, I, 
it'll be cool. I think this year's going to already going to be super rad. And then uh, just to see the, the new, new few chess pieces next year will be even cooler. So I, I don't know. Every year is the coolest damn year ever. Uh, so <laughs> next year, at least we know 2024 is also going to be the next coolest year ever. Cause uh, yeah, this Sexton move will be pretty badass. Yeah. And Randy, like JT said, this was a stroke of genius. If this actually is happening because they kind of caught him at a time when he was struggling in Supercross there for a little bit. But then outdoors, he was killing it. And, you know, what if he goes on to win the championship this year and all the KTM guys are struggling? It almost, yeah, it, it looks, it, they, they caught him at the perfect time if all this is accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it goes back to just the importance of, of timing, which sometimes you can, uh, sometimes, you know, excellent timing is, is strategy and sometimes it's luck, uh, yep. I think. Um, so, but, but yeah, if, if it goes that direction, I agree with JT that it was, uh, exceptionally good strategy for them to approach him in a time where he was, um, you know, apparently unhappy with the bike sure. uh, that he later, he later had a higher level of success on. So, well, yeah. And at the time, I'm sure he didn't know all this was going to happen with Kenny going to a different team. And mm-hmm. the fact that they're saying, Hey, KTM told him, Hey, we're going to build a whole team around you. Well, a guy at that level that's kind of what they want. When you're on a team with a guy like Ken Roxon, the team's not built around you. It's It may be mm-hmm. built around both of you or probably Kenny. So, it, yeah, it was right up the alley of what a guy like Chase is probably looking for. So, yeah, good on them. We're going to find out. Um, we'll find out soon enough. It'll be the, the, the offseason to be here again before we know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it happens fast. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and the original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rock, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy to install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter code PULP25 for 25% off SealSavers.com got about two more weeks to use that code get in there this the year's almost up and with the other thing that's almost up is this wrap up we are down to one single page of notes we're coming to it coming to an end boys so let's bittersweet dark side it's bittersweet oh man i'm just i'm gonna get yeah, done and i'm turning lamb of god back on and i'm gonna eat ice cream and <laughs> yep no more no more staying up till 12 30 a.m on monday night and i got that right it is a.m 12:30 a.m. Yeah. Uh, listening to Pulp MX if I don't want to. So, wow. and 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 uh, you know I, th- I think with this wrap up show you've been killing it for a number of years and and I think tonight we actually kill it. Right, it's dead. Um, Why just tonight, call it now? And and, and I'm gonna, and I'm going to listen to uh, in honor of Chris Kiefer. Uh, I'm going to listen to a little bit of Nothing Else Matters. I almost <laughs> added that to the beginning of the show, <laughs> but I actually um, picked a different song which you guys haven't heard yet. But yeah, I picked awesome. Some- okay. Um, but I, I did almost, I almost went that route. Um, you want to just call it now? We don't even have to finish. You just want to end? I'll go check a beer. It's <laughs> yeah. 8.30 my time. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's right? Break, yeah. Right? Well, it's 10.30. It's 10.30 p.m. for those of you listening, Randy Richardson time. So, and Randy's even yeah. older than I am. He's got to be falling asleep. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like Phil. And one of the notes I had was Phil Nicoletti talking about how he's staying up late to, to get his body acclimated for racing, uh, West Coast. So, you know what? Um, I, I, I tried my best to sleep in late today so that I could stay up for this to accommodate, uh, Wes, who's on the, the West Coast West with so, a new baby. Uh, yep. 
so yeah, it's late for me, but uh, but I'll I'll be up and ready to go tomorrow morning. We're since, good. Since you brought that up, Randy, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Uh, sitting on the couch, trying to practice staying up late since I got a race in three weeks, and the <laughs> race would be going off right about now, and. I don't know if I'd be fucking awake for it. <laughs> so that's a thing, right? You guys do this. I've, I've, I've heard you guys, like, this is a real thing. Yeah, no, I, I have to because I'm, I'm old, uh, and I like mm-hmm. to go to bed at 9 o'clock and kind of up somewhat early. So, yeah, since I'm doing West, i got to try and make it to at least, you know, 12, 1230, you know, almost 1 o'clock, just so I can kind of get on that thing. And then I'll sleep in to 830, 9 o'clock. Uh, right. Because we don't start riding at club until noon because it's so fucking cold out. Yeah, I have to or else I'm I'm falling yeah. asleep, you know, 6 o'clock out west when I go out there. You know? Yeah, I, so. I, I, that, I mean, like, as I said, this is the thing. It makes a lot of sense. You know, Honda used to practice with lights at their t- Supercross track and run mm-hmm. through a whole heat race and main event at the right times and everything. Okay, breaking till now, you know, all this. I mean, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the light thing might be a little bit of a stretch, you know, but the, the time just, you know, when I have my coffee, when I have dinner, like all that stuff needs to kind of be somewhat regimented because it does make a big difference. So just still uh, working on it. So it works out good that you had me up late because if it was outdoors time, I would be pissed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Wes, it seems so obvious, but I never actually considered that some of those guys that they have to practice almost for the schedule. Hey, it's a it's a smart move. Um, I mean, it's kind of like for Loretta's, man. I, I train for that. You got to train for the heat. Got to train for the beer drinking and the late nights and early mornings, right? And uh, sure. So I, I mean, I, I totally get where where Phil's at. Like ten years ago, when we were all young whippersnappers, you could pretty much do whatever you want. But now, dude, like. I like to go to bed at nine thirty two. So stay up twelve thirty. I'm usually still doing podcasts or interviews at that time. I'm a I'm a midnight twelve thirty guy every night, just about, and I'm up whoa, at like six thirty. Whoa, 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 whoa! Twelve thirty p.m. You've been uh, burning the midday oil. Don't get it mixed up. I saw the tweet. So uh, yeah. <sighs> okay, Randy. So thanks. Is this the kind of slave driver <laughs> Michael Lindsay is? What? Does Michael make you stay up till freaking twelve thirty p.m. every day? No, it just yeah. makes him work past lunch. <laughs> yeah, God, can you believe that, Randy? Listen, assholes. He's, hey, he's an he's an afternoon slave driver. That guy, you know what I mean? Uh, all right, bunch of a holes. <laughs> hey, it's only because we love you. Yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah. Well, Phil hey, is. You know what? I, go ahead. Go ahead. I I I was trying to be. I was going to say something nice. I I was going to say. Um, so Steven, then we're giving you shit on this on the show, kind of. They always do, but I was going to say, good good thing you didn't start your show before his. Otherwise, he would be the one doing the wrap up show. It's it, 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 like we we're talking about just a second ago. Timing is sometimes luck, and, and Steve got lucky because uh, you know you, you you should you should be the one at that dynasty at the helm of it. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for the kind words. I was going to say that Phil Nicoletti is one of my all-time favorite guests. Even when he's on every week, the guy just seems to always bring it naturally. He doesn't have to work at it, Randy. He's just yeah. a character. He's got that grumpy sensibility, but very funny. And his discussions on, you know, Steve asked him, Enzo or J Mart, Enzo or uh, or J Mart or A Mart, A Mart, J Mart or. Nico Thurry's dog, like that whole topic. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah, saying, I, I, think, I fucking I think hate he's that very, dog. 
You said lucky is not Anchorman, or I'd, I don't know what Baxter means, but I think you said I'd Baxter it off the bridge. Oh, no, no. Baxter was the name of the dog. It was uh, Anchorman's dog. Was oh, Baxter. And then okay. remember the guy, remember the guy, it was Jack Black, whatever the guy's name is. Anyway, so he's yeah. riding the Harley and he kicked the dog <laughs> off the bridge. He, so he's going to Baxter. I do remember him. that now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Either yeah. way, I was cracking up. <laughs> Phil, Phil is just. Yeah, I, 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 he, Phil is, a, he's a very uplifting, uh, he, he'd be, he would be a very uplifting, demotivational speaker. <laughs> deep so, motivational yeah 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 he wes he's gold like every time he i don't think there's ever been a bad phil interview you know what i feel like uh when they were asking him what he would do if if he wasn't racing dirt bikes i i personally think he should be a comedian like how crazy would it be to have him mm-hmm. up hit there with his tone he'd crush it like i think that would would be his backup career mm-hmm. that he just doesn't even know about he doesn't even realize it yeah, if he could just go yep. up there and be himself, like don't write jokes, just go up there and talk about your day. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just vent, just vent. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, and they they asked Phil about club and how having Jmart on the team has affected the team itself, and and what's changed. Mm-hmm. Enzo's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's hauling ass. German was hauling ass. Like, it's been really good. I'm, uh, I'm the low man on the totem pole, you know. Um, so I'm just uh, trying to hang with the kids. I mean, German's not really a, a kid anymore, but uh, yeah, I think Enzo should be good. Um, you know, he kicked my ass on Saturday, kicked my ass again today. So I uh, just get my fucking teeth kicked in. Yeah, it. we, we so. saw that. We saw the Instagrams. Has having Germa on the team changed, like, the development of the bikes at all? Because, I mean, you think of somebody of his caliber, if he comes in and has comments or thoughts or what he wants to do, you would think at a certain point, like, okay, like, did do you feel like the team's still developing at the same rate? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that just comes with any team that kind of takes over a champion of any sort raise their bar you know our our issue is we struggle a little bit with the manpower um because again the, the budget's not there if you don't have the money it's really hard to go do that but for the dollar that's being spent is it's going in the right places Jerma has definitely upped the level of what needs to be changed and people staying on certain things better whether it's engines, suspensions, other sorts of parts on the bike with chassis and whatever. It's just like, yeah, it, it, it helps for sure. Yeah, it's like Jmart, two-time national champion, is, is telling Brandon, hey, we got to do this, or we need to do this. It just carries a bit more weight than janky Phil. I've never won at that level, so yeah. I, I I don't know what it takes, you know, from, from a championship winning guy. I think I know, and I feel like it should go that direction, but until somebody that's already – been there, done it, improved it, tell somebody that has literally no idea about it or how mm-hmm. to get there, yep. they, they really don't have any reason to listen. I know German as a slap dick, you know what I mean? So I know how he is, but as a racer and wanting to win, yeah, yeah that, that's that's the guy. With Germa getting Germa, it brings a little, like I said, a little bit more money. So we have more parts. Um, and not only that, having Germa does help, but the team went from nine guys down to four four folks you know so that alone wipes out so much shit you know what i mean so now we can actually well not me but the guys can actually focus on each individual rider a little bit more everyone has you know proper race engines proper practice specs and everything's on a rotation at a certain amount of hours uh well i cut off 
odd. Uh, Randy, though, very insightful about the team dynamic when they when a team like Club gets a more elite rider. How the 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 dynamic of the team changes. Like he talked about more money and more focus. All those things were I thought it was very insightful. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to what what Phil was sharing about uh, the Club and Mex team could could apply equally as well to the team that Roxon just signed with. Right. So, oh, yeah. uh, it's certainly that same thing. It's, it's, um, it elevates everyone's, uh, everyone's level of dedication. You know, it's tangent talk, but I, I recently, uh, went up and visited with Lee McCollum, um, you know, former factory Suzuki mechanic for years and years and years and visited with him. And, uh, and it, he was showing us some cool, you know, pieces of, of racing history that he has in his shop there. And he was talking about how factory Suzuki was, was, you know, dedicated throughout the years. But he said that when they signed Ricky, he said there was no, 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 no money spared whatsoever. Um, and we were looking at a, uh, a, a magnesium air filter frame, right? <laughs> like just amazing stuff. And he said, uh, you know, that they, they RD, you know, Roger really got the budget to step things up and, and no money was spared. So absolutely feels a hundred percent, right. You get a, a top level championship contender and then that team has to think that way. So he's right. Yeah. And Wes, it, it really puts a lot of pressure on the teams too, whether it be club or HEP to, like now you have to be able to give these guys what they what they need to win. You you brought them in, you're hoping the OEM step up, uh, but you have to have the schedule like Phil talked about, you know, the the service hours maybe have changed or they're being a little tighter on some of these things. Like you have to be ready to give these riders what they need. You have one of the best, but they got to have you as one of the best teams. So it takes the team and the rider together, but just a lot of good information out of Phil. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking exactly what Randy said about the Ken thing. Like, it puts Hep in the same exact position. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of damn pressure. So, yeah, yeah, now you went from, like, you know, fifth or tenth place was, like, the expectation. And now it's like, all right, you can win, so you should, right? So, uh, you know, if, if you're the team owner or mechanic, uh, it, it's a lot to shoulder. Um, but, again, we keep talking about progression. I think if, if you're, you're a team of any sort, you know, you, you don't want to – you hope to have the aspirations to be able to win one day. So obviously that's the next, uh, next step in your evolution is to get a rider of that caliber and, and put that pressure on yourself. Um, so you can go big or go home, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And again, again, plug your ears, Steve Athis. I talked to Brandon Haas today from club MX and he talked a lot about that. So that article hopefully will be out in a couple of days. Um, I'll probably be up to about 1230 AM still again there, Randy working on that so we can get it ready for vital MX. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we do at Vital. So that'd be good stuff, though, from Phil. I really, really, I, I'm ne- I don't care what. Phil could come on and talk about TV or anything. I, I would enjoy it. Um, another guy that I enjoy, not as much as Phil, sorry, but my, my guy Checkers from Race Tech, he called in. I did enjoy his comment when Steve asked if they were going to start cut, clipping sponsored support to <laughs> yeah. vital. And he said, Oh no, we're upping it because they have Jamie now that, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Checkers. You're my guy. Maybe not quite as my favorite. Like I said, as Phil Nicoletti, but you're a good dude. Checkers. Uh, what do you think of, what do you think about checkers there? Wes? He's, he's good people. You there, Wes. Sorry. I, I was on mute. Oh. Um, yeah. Checkers, checkers is badass. Um, and, and 
I'm glad that their business is going so freaking good. Um, if anybody deserves it, it's that crew. Uh, they've they've supported Verb and the whole damn industry. I feel like for a long time. Um, so Checkers and uh, hell, he's been on. I think every wrap up show I've done with you, uh, he was my my co pilot too. So um, <laughs> it, it was ironic that he was on Pulp last night when I usually do this with him after the fact. So uh, just tied together. Um, yeah. It, it, it was just cool, man. And then the like for him to reiterate, hey, they're still looking to help dudes out even up to the last last second before A one or whatever. Like, yeah, those those guys are just uh, good people through and through. Just just like our guy Randy here. Like, uh, you know, it's it's cool to be uh, salt in of the earth with such. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Randy Checkers, privateer proven race tech. I enjoy when he comes on, kind of talks about how guys like Jerry Robin trying to get them back into finishing races and, and mm-hmm. even saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking to pick up some more riders. I mean, they, they're mm-hmm. wanting to help the guys that need the help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and everyone within wherever you're at in your racing, uh, call it career or, or racing aspirations. Everyone has goals and, and, and hoping to achieve them. And and one of the things that checker says was, was to, to take a rider who's, you know, on the bubble and to help them make a main event. Um, that's like a win to them. And, and that's awesome because it is a win not only to that, to, to that privateer or that rider uh, and their family and their sponsors and so on. But um, so to hear him have that level of passion for, helping racers of that level achieve that success is super cool to me. I agree. All right. So speaking of race tech, the race tech rant, generally one of my favorite segments of the show, this week's race tech rant. I didn't really give a shit about it. If I'm being honest, we're going to listen to it. There was, let's don't, no, let's don't. Well, I want to do it for race tech. And this is literally the very (laughs) last piece of audio ever played from a wrap up show. Uh, unless I did say on Twitter earlier, don't know if anybody saw it. Could be like Motley Crue. They said they're never going to play together again. And then all of a sudden, Nikki's like, "What? What? How much money? How much? Oh, oh, hey, get get Mick. We're we're going back out on the road. If there's a good, you know, if Steve does a good enough show, you know, maybe the next century mark, maybe mm-hmm. the wrap up comes back for a one off. But Ooh. Uh, show six hundred, uh, yeah. show six hundred. You got to look at. You got to do show. 600 Depends on who the guests are. You 600. know, well, if he if he consults with me and we get a good le- lineup, and I and then mm-hmm. I'll consider it for a price. But mm-hmm. race tech rant from Monday night. Here we go. Last piece of audio. Okay, so this thing called Strava, right? Uh, it measures your rides. Mm-hmm. If you pay for premium, um, which, which Jamie couldn't afford, but I I can. Um, it, it it'll it'll give you all it'll unlock all these features. <laughs> so I'm into Strava. It's what I'm trying to say is I pay for it a year. I'm into Strava, and I all of my rides over the years you create segments of yep. your rides. So an uphill will be a segment, a downhill will be a segment, a twisty turn thing will be a segment, mm-hmm. and these are all created by users over a decade. I don't know however long Strava's mm-hmm. been out. So I'm a stat guy. I enjoy Strava. I've been on it for years. When I went to Strava, when I first started with Strava, there was no e-bike option. There was only mountain bike option, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, on an e-bike, you're going to crush it sometimes. Yep. And they give you fake trophies for top 10. Yep. And then they rank. So, if you're in the top 10 in groups, they give you a little trophy. And if you're on the top, it's called King of the Mountain, KOM. Yep. And that's for your very best time. So, you really can't measure yourself against your old self because, again, I was riding... When there was 
no e-bike setting. So it's just mountain bike setting. Now there's an e-bike setting, but there's no segments, and I can't compare myself to my other times, even if the, even if the segments that are, are there. Lately, on Strava, there's some guys that have been giving me shit, and I have a ton of followers on there, right? Wah. I don't give a fuck about an eighth place fake trophy. Like, I don't care. But sometimes I'll get a trophy. I'll be in the top 10. If I get any KOMs, I delete them. I rarely get them. So I've been getting shit on Strava because these guys are saying, like, I'm stealing trophies. I'm stealing a ninth place fake little icon. graphic icon. Yeah. This is what they care about. The guy's telling me that's fucked up. That's dishonest. Like, bro. If that's all you need to worry about in your life is whether who's on an e-bike and who's not, my race tech rant is leave me the fuck alone. Okay, I was riding when there was no e-bike setting. I want to just measure <laughs> these rides against myself and see my improvement or see my uh, my uh, worst times and and look at the different segments. I enjoy that. I'm a geek that way. And leave me alone. And if you complain to me on Strava, I will block you. Mm -hmm. I will just block you because leave me alone. <laughs> Wes. Wes, he says, this is what these guys care about. This is what they're giving me shit about. But, but Steve, this is what you care about. You're ranting mm -hmm. about it. Who cares? Who cares if they give you shit? You give me <laughs> shit constantly. I should block you. Go ahead, Wes. I get it. And at the same time, I'm also the dude that, like, when I've gotten the eighth place trophy, I've been so hyped on myself. So it is an easy fix for Strava. I can understand Steve's frustration. I can understand the eighth place dude's frustration. I think Steve went a little hard on him, but I totally agree with everything he said because uh, I feel the same way. I would, I want to be able to go ride the e-bike and have the same segments and see progress and that and the other. Um, but at the end of the day, Steve should probably just make his uh, his rides private and not go on leaderboards. Uh, if I ever ride my e-bike and go on the mountain bike setting, I'd keep it private because. I don't want people bashing me. So right, exactly. I don't know. Easy fix, easy fix right there too, Steve. And then you don't get freaking pissed off people uh, yelling at you about virtual trophies. Randy, third world problems or first world problems? Excuse me, first world problems. Uh, <laughs> exactly yeah. right. It's uh, uh, but a guy who rents a Corvette and then shares that on his. Oh, uh, that's coming up. We get yeah. media. A guy that rents a Corvette and shares it on his social media is probably not going to go private, right? So, <laughs> yeah, he asked me like, "Oh, I haven't <laughs> been seeing your Strava stuff lately." And I think in a text or something the other day, he asked me about yeah. that. And I goes, "Well, I've been doing it private." Oh, private? I'm like, well, yeah, because I don't like my my times really aren't that impressive. I'm not riding much more than I was, and I, mm -hmm. I don't care what people have to say. I'm just whatever. Anyway, Steve Mathis, I, I was going to bring up the vet thing, and then I just kind of skipped it, but. Ah, yeah, we'll, we'll just skip the vet thing. I don't even care. Mm -hmm. um, what I do care about is those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know that Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. And all the Pulpamex wrap-up show sponsors can be found on motorsport.com, including Guts Racing, Michelin, and Seal Savers. Just a couple more things. I want to touch on my call. Steve, the end of the era with the wrap-up show, he says, in the beginning, it was like 100% hate. I think that was a little strong. <laughs> I think that was a little strong. I don't think it was 100%. It wasn't good. The wrap-up show 
really, really sucked in the beginning. I will give you that, but we 100% was strong. But I do want to thank, again, Nick Still. He called in, gave, gave some props to me and to Steve, and I really appreciate you, Nick, for doing that. Um, and then the fork height thing came up. Uh, we're not even going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about <laughs> is during that discussion, I brought up life swap and Steve is backing out, even if it's the week of, because he can't do the job. The whole fucking point is that you guys are supposed to do each other's job and you can't do the job, Steve. Come on, R- Randy. You know, it, it isn't, it, isn't it ironic that, that Steve, that that sits uh, high up there in the crow's nest uh, on the second level of his mansion there <laughs> saying that Chris can't run the computer. Chris can't run the cameras. Chris can't run the show. And then now, ironically, it seems as if though Steve is the one who who's balking on this uh, life swap, yeah, right? Cause so, he can't ride a motorcycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of, I'm changing the subject again real quick. You, you brought up his palatial palace. Did mm-hmm. either of you see team solitaire's, tweet like where's the coolest place you've rode either one of you mm-hmm. yeah i felt like my response was great i said i was i rode on steve's private arena cross track inside his house oh wait that was embargoed i thought that was good man i didn't get any responses so maybe it sucked i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's fun it's fun giving him a hard time about that he, oh he gets he's, mad he's he's amazing he's amazing at deflecting that type of stuff and yeah. it back at someone else he gets so um, upset when stuff comes at him but this life swap if i was Kiefer, i'm like mm-hmm. no this is the date this is my job yep. you can't if you can't do it then, i mean I, I don't even know if there's a prize on the line but i don't think chris should let him switch they made the agreement that's the date that's the job that week i mean ah oh man i'm frustrated on that one anyway either way i told chris i'm all in if he, i'll help chris with uh with fantasy we're going to chris is mm-hmm. going to get this thing done he's going to learn Thank all right you. uh the other real quick just touching on jordan burns as i said former drummer of strung out part owner in team triple x uh moto moto triple x called in mm-hmm. because his sound check was apparently the number one listened to podcast of 2022 for Pulp MX. That's cool. I love the sound checks. I'm still pissed off that Steve won't do one with me. Originally, he said, no, no one cares. You know, I was barely in the industry. I feel like it's time to give me a sound check, but Steve refuses. It's probably never going to happen. But congrats to Jordan Burns. That was a good sound check. I love those things. Other than that, guys, I want to thank, again, motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, as well as all the other Pulpamex sponsors. I say this every week. Without these sponsors, Steve cannot do these shows that we love. So you have to support these sponsors. Go to PulpamexShow.com. There's links. There's there's uh, little squ- I think there are little square boxes now on the new one where you can click on Guts Racing. You can p- click on Michelin. Mm-hmm. Most of them have links or they'll have discount codes. Go use those sponsors and support the, the people that help out Steve so that these can keep going. Randy, was there anything in this show, this episode that I missed that you want to talk about? Mm, no, no, nothing. I think you covered it all. Um, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and if we're, if we're wrapping this wrap up show up, man, I just want to tell you, I, I admire uh, your passion for the sport and, and I admire your, your work ethic. You were for quite some times, you know, you were, you were digging a ditch and, and, and building your own career within the industry. And, uh, 
um, that's it's not just like I said before. It's not just a haircut. It's uh, <laughs> it's that hard work and dedication that's got you where you are. And I want to thank you for all you've done for the Michelin brand uh, throughout the years. And and I want to wish you the best at Vital MX and and with your uh, Moto X Pod Show. So. Thank you, Randy. Looking forward, yeah, looking forward to uh, great things out of you in the coming years, buddy. I appreciate that. Wes, anything I missed? No, I, I think you've taken invaluable notes over the past 385 shows you've done. So uh, great job, <laughs> dude. I don't know how you've stayed up till 1230 p.m. all these days eating turkey sandwiches. <laughs> but to, um, I, you know, I have a button you know. right here. I could mute your mic just in no time whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I can't imagine how many bottles of conditioner you went through, uh, your hair and all that yeah. time, uh, before, before Steve did get you to chop it off. But like I said, 20 minutes ago, dude, had you had, had, had the roles uh, been reversed? Like, you know, had you started two months before Steve, man, he'd, uh, mm-hmm. he'd be the one doing his last wrap up show. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> great, great job, man. I, I, I mirror everything Randy said, and uh, I think last time I was on the show, I, I had just found out about you going to Vital, and uh, yeah, I mean, super congrats, dude. I think there's so many of us uh, that, that dedicate our, our lives and hearts to this industry uh, because we're so passionate mm-hmm. about it, and you know, we, we dream of uh, getting a call up from a, a Vital Verb or a Paul Bracer X, um, so mm-hmm. I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad you finally get your chance, man. Well, thank you. I'm big fans of what you do, as well as you, Randy, with Michelin and your social media, and I consider you guys both friends, and I'm very honored that this role at Pulp MX Show and the wrap-up show has brought me into the industry more than I was where mm-hmm. I was able to meet guys like yourselves. Uh, this is going to be a wrap for the wrap-up. I want to tell you guys again, stay tuned for Clay Olson from PDR Performance. He's going to fill you in on the discussion that led to Fork Gate or Fork Height Gate or whatever you want to call it. And also, for Steve Mathis, he, he's going to jump on and give his thoughts on the wrap-up show and how I've done over the last few years. And other than that, yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. And we, yeah, we may be back for some special occasions. So other than that, it's a wrap. We're out. That's Dark Side, everybody. The man. The man. Right? Yep. Like, yeah, he's the man. The, he man. the man. He's the man. All right. As mentioned... I've got my suspension guy from PDR Performance, Race Tech Service Center, my buddy, Clay Olson. What's going on, Clay? Hey, how's it going, man? It's going good. So, first of all, you've been on here before. I've been on the wrap-up. You are a Pulp listener. Yes, sir. So, you listened Monday night. Uh, you heard the, and I'm sure, well, you don't, I don't think you have Twitter, so you maybe didn't see all the tweets and the, the ball busting I got, but you heard the, the talking <laughs> about the, the fork height. What say you? I, I did. I got uh, actually one of my guys sent me a picture. He's like, uh, hey, this ended up on Vital. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's one of <laughs> my settings I sent him. So, yeah, I got wind of it before the show even came on. And then uh, it ended up on Pulp and I got a pretty dang good laugh out of it uh, through the show. Yeah. What, well, before we get into Fork Height, what would you think of the show? 526, Michael Lindsay in studio, an off-season <laughs> show. How'd you enjoy it? Uh, good, really good show. Uh, Michael Lindsay is one of my favorite co-hosts, so um, I always like when he's on. I've uh, got to meet him a couple times. Super nice guy, and he's always got uh, tons of insight. Um, typically, more it seems like he digs in more than most people. So I always like getting him on the show. It's fun listening to him and uh, 
Phil is always awesome. <laughs> Another one of my favorite guests. So Phil is probably my favorite call in for sure. And then uh, Michael Lindsay, just the insight he always brings in the show and yeah. um, he's always good on the mic and stuff. So it was really entertaining show and definitely got me amped up ready for, for Supercross to finally get going here. It's almost here for sure. We're what, like 19 days away or something like that. I don't know for sure, but yeah, it's, it's right around the corner. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Uh, well, yeah, fill us in. How, on this fork height thing that I got made fun of, uh, <laughs> give your side of it. Yeah. So I, I basically messaged you. I was like, Hey, we should do a call in. Cause I said mainly cause I felt bad cause you were getting razzed on. I was like, that was a hundred percent, you know, my call to have you, you know, try that. So I was like, I got to at least clarify that you understood when I said flush the first time to go flush and try it. And then I said, okay, here, try this. And that actually came from a setting that I currently run on my own 252 stroke. Um, you know, we did that first setup for you and you're pretty happy with it. Not, you know, no problems on the two stroke. And as you've ridden more, you rolled that 350 a bunch. And when you switch back, I think you'd agree. It was like, just not jiving with yes. the two stroke at all. Yeah, I would agree. And we have recently <laughs> found that there are GP guys and there are somebody in Dakar that is running the completely flush fork. So yeah. 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 And it's, <laughs> I got, I actually have a kid on a gas gas four. He's the only kid I got on a four stroke, but he's super, super heavy on like front brake. Doesn't use a lot of rear brake. And we did, we stiffened forks, stiffened forks, did some stuff and we messed with a bunch of things and like, we just could not get the feel he was looking for. And sure enough, we tried that at one of the tracks up here and it's been like that ever since it leveled the bike out. He's like, dude, it's perfect. It fixed what I was looking for, for a feel. So the two strokes specifically where we ended up with that, um, you know, I've been on four strokes a long time. I got my 252 stroke YZ a couple years ago and, you know, Put about 20 hours on it was getting pretty close to having a feel but i could not get over the fact that that bike always felt front end low coming into corners and coming through stuff compared to the four stroke so my kawi sat really nice and level i even have a yamaha now and coming into corners it just settled out really nice the two stroke i always felt like i was chasing the front end so lowered the back the lowering link stiffened the forks you know we did a did a bunch of planning on it was my own personal bike and got frustrated one day and i was like screw and i just stuffed the forks basically down flush went out and rode and i was like holy crap that that got that feel mm -hmm. that i wanted of the bike sitting level made a little sag change and boom it it's it worked for me so me and you were going back and forth on ours i was like hey here here's why i'm running mine give it a shot give it a try and just uh, happens. Someone gets a picture. It ends up on vital, vital, and oh hell, boom, I put the got, picture uh, up. Yeah, I put the picture up. <laughs> I, I put the picture because I was riding that day, and I just took a picture of both the bikes sitting there. I had the husky out, and I posted it on Instagram. And then yeah, people just you know that's when like Kiefer and Steve are like, just ask us first before you post stuff. I'm like, no, it's, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, these guys and are so in know, my if head. You measure it out; it's seven millimeters. Yeah. So from flush to you know super flush, if you want to call it that way, it's it's a pretty decent fork height change. But when yep. you look at how much adjustability some of the other manufacturers give you in the actual lines, it's not a groundbreaking like completely out of the box setting. So in certain situations, for a feel you're looking for. I've got other guys in Minnesota on that bike after I started doing it just because we have so much sand. We don't get that stutter bump stuff up here. Um, we played with it, tried it. I've got guys running a few bikes like that, that, you know, maybe ride front end heavy or something and want that taller front end feel without going crazy stiff on the forks. Yeah. So I'm not the idiot that 
everybody th- no, that mainly, Steve and Chris wanted yeah, to make like, me out to be. Okay, he wasn't a total idiot. That was definitely <laughs> me telling him to do that. So you had it right the first time. You put it flush. I said, okay, try super yeah. flush. Try this with your sag. Let's just get a couple more data points before we get the forks back and change settings. Well, I appreciate you coming on and clearing that up. I didn't want to <laughs> put the blame on you. I was like, yeah, I just, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to. Jeez, almighty, the, the response is just. You, you did, yeah. but the internet is a uh, brutal place. It's a dark, dark hole to get into. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, Clay, man, uh, so yeah. Congrats on uh, everything and the Thank show. You. And it's, uh, I was had fun being on the show and listening to it and, uh, excited to see what you guys do over at Vital. It's going to be good, man. Thank you for jumping on here for just a minute, clarifying that and, uh, PDR performance on Instagram, check them out. Uh, it's a great, great business. Clay's a good guy. So man, if you want, you need some suspension work, race tech, suspend, su- send your stuff to Clay at PDR performance. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right, see you, bud. May as well be called the fucking dark side pod. What's up, guys? Dark side here. I've got uh, I've got my boss man from the wrap-up show, Steve Mathis, on the line. What's going on, Steve? It's the end of an era. <laughs> I don't know about an era, but it, it has been about four years. Really? Four what? years? Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, everything, everything's got to end at some point. Uh, Cheers ended, and, uh, you know, Three's Company ended. Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard, and, and so the wrap-up show's time has come and gone. Yeah, you know, these- and um, this is the last one. And I mean, you've got some good guests coming on to talk about the show, so that's cool. Um, you know, I just, I just need to thank you, Jamie, for doing the wrap up show for four years, grinding away, slowly getting better, finally listening to me, and making the show better. <laughs> I don't know that I ever fully listened to you, but uh, yeah, I do. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I mean, you know, when this thing started, I literally didn't even have your phone number. It was emails and you were just like, Hey, do you think you would want to try to do this? It was for me, it was really exciting and it got my foot in the door a little bit more and it was a really great opportunity. And I feel like I learned a lot. You helped me out tons. I've said many, many times how you would off air, like offer to send me an iPhone because I was using a droid at the beginning or get me equipment uh, yeah, it was it was very very beneficial to what I was doing and what I was learning. So it means a lot. Well, you you missed the mark on many <laughs> many many shows, but you uh, you did have some good ones in there. I don't listen to them all. I listen to a lot of them though, and uh, you had some good ones in there. And I think what I liked is your and sort of you know when Michael Lindsay called me to ask me about. Um, about you working for vital and my, my idea of helping you out. I, what I kind of do with people, not everybody, but, but some people, um, what I kind of do is I test people, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I feel like I got into this industry and I just love motocross and I love the sport and I do a lot of stuff that I don't have to do, but whether it's blogs about rollerball or comparing Carmichael to Rollerball, or all the stuff I did, all those long forms I do, I do things extra because I love the sport and I want to do it. And I don't, but I don't make any money on it. I just do these things. So I feel like that is part of the reason why it's been successful for me. So sometimes I test people who work for me or or I know or whatever, and I just see how they react to an opportunity, right? And some people just react 
whatever, just normal. They just punch a clock. They do the work and they punch a clock and they punch out and that's it. And, th- and then there's nothing wrong with that. But then I, I just, I can see that. And then other people like yourself, like you don't need to pull the audio from the show each week and drop it into your wrap up. I told you, you don't have to do that. You know, it is kind of time consuming. It is a pain in the balls, but you've shown the ability with the wrap up show to do extra, to make it better. You know, you, 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 you've, you've thought of good guests to bring on. You've gone the extra mile to make the show what you wanted to make it and, and, and better generally speaking. And so I'm okay. I'm like, okay, this guy, this guy gets it. This guy's going to put in the extra work. This guy's got a passion for it. And you can see that, right? So that's, I was testing you along the way. And then at some point when Michael Lindsay called me or whatever, I'm like, yeah, like he can do it. Like, you know, don't worry, don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, I, I like the stuff that you did extra and above and beyond. And not everybody does that, right? Some people just punch the clock. Yeah. I mean, I think Weege was one of the ones that told me, I'll just do like 25% less audio. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, I just don't feel like I can do that. I'm doing what I think is yeah. right, you know? Right. And I told you that too. I'm like, hey, dude, don't bother. Don't pull in. Don't, yeah. don't pull the audio. It's fine. Um, and you're like, no, 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 I want to do it because, you know, whatever. So things like that, though, that's why you're working at Vital MX. And that's why, you know, you're doing stuff and you get to to cover the sport that you love because you you're going above and beyond. And you know, other guys that work for me, other guys that have done things. I'm like, hey, man, why don't you do this? And then they do it, and it's just, you know, the most basic thing ever. And you're like, okay, well, that's no problem. I'm not upset at that guy, but you can see that he's just just doing it for money or just doesn't really care. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I, this thing started out, I think the first few episodes, I didn't, you know, I didn't get any money, right? I don't think I paid, you paid me anything for a little bit. And then maybe you did. I don't, I don't think so though. And even with my show, there was no money. I was not making any money really ever. Even the money we got from sponsors just went into travel, but yeah, you gotta, you have to grind it out. You've said that for years. And I, I grew up in a family where, you know, you just, you work, if you want something, you got to work and you do it. And that's just the way it is. So I, you know, you gave me the opportunity and I tried to do the best with it. It wasn't an easy concept, you know, to do a wrap up show. Uh, it's, no, it's really easy. You just never listen to me. It's like oh, super easy. Okay. Well, most people listen to the whole show. You know, most of your listeners listen to the whole show. So then what they, the argument is, why do I want to hear a show about a show that I already heard? But we, we did our best. Who's some of the better wrap up guests you've had on or co-hosts? What do a couple of people come to mind that you enjoyed talking to? And you, cause look, there were a few shows. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> Where your guests, I don't even know if they'd listen to the show. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't even know if they did. They didn't really get the concept or whatever. Um, and that's fine. But, you know, yeah, just, there were some rough shows. But there were some people that were super into it. And do a couple stand out for you? Yeah, I always enjoyed A-Ray. He would get really into it. Uh, he was exciting. Um, Mason from Seal Savers was a big fan mm-hmm. of the show and really liked being a part of it. Randy is always good. He has, his, you know, with his Randyisms. Who, who will be on to uh, this, this, I guess this, this probably be at the end. So you've already heard Randy on this episode. Um, those are some that really stand out. Checkers is good. Mm-hmm. There's a long list. A lot of, I always liked uh, like Justin Starling and Logan Carnell, those guys who really enjoy the show. Um, Shine Harmon. I like the, having the writers on. Those guys were fun mm-hmm. because they do enjoy the show. And then they kind of have their own perspective on what you're talking about within the sport. Right. So, Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, um, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. 
I do wish the one thing I regret is that the hello Pookie thing didn't take off better. You know, she kind of wanted to step away because of just different things. She, she didn't have the time. And I wish that had been a bigger deal. Cause I thought, there's a lot of questions. People always ask about the behind the scenes stuff and then he just mm-hmm. re- really didn't get involved enough. Maybe because it was so early in the show and there weren't very many listeners, but yeah, we just didn't, I wanted to get Pookie more involved. I thought that would have been cool to get to know her better and it just didn't work. Yeah. I, I mean, you didn't get many questions for her, right? It no. Just didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really. Yeah. I would so, come up some. I yeah. mean, you know, as much as you wanted to do it, then yeah. I mean, you can only do what you have the questions for. Sure. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. So um, she, yeah, you know, she's her, um, her passion for the sport has definitely waned uh, in the last few years. And she's into it pretty hardcore for a long time. And um, she's just, you know, I don't know if it's falling out of love of the sport. That's pretty harsh to say, but yeah, she's not, she's not into it as much as she used to be. And that's fine. She's got different things she's into. And um, so I don't even know, you know, like, yeah, she's just, uh, um, doing her thing. So it's yeah. great. We have a great marriage and everything, but yeah, her passion for the sport isn't what it is. Maybe Adam seen Cirillo, just, you know, too many injuries for Adam seen Cirillo. Yeah. Her, so, I don't know. Her guys are kind of gone, right? Chad's gone and, uh, yeah. And AC's, yeah. you know, hasn't been around. So maybe AC starts winning. She'll be back in. Yeah. 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 That could be, that could be, uh, <laughs> yep. You could have a point there. I don't know, but no, that, that was a good feature for sure. Um, and again, like, you know, once in a while, you actually listen to me, and your shows were good. And then you would drift off and start talking about what you think about, you know, Chase Sexton. And then, you know, I had to bring you back into the center again. It was, it was, you know, kind of like a little puppy that keeps wandering off. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to yeah. try to get this show on the line. You know, but, um, but for real, though, like I said on the Pulp Show, like, you know, let's go ninety percent disapproval rating when you started on doing the show and being in the feed and what the hell is this? And I definitely think you've improved and worked hard. And I, the number of complaints about the wrap up show from when you debuted are way, way less. And maybe those people just gave up, but I think it was because the show got better and people were like, okay, this guy's been around, you know, it probably was a little bit of, hate because they don't know who you are and your name's dark side and you know and, <laughs> yeah. and all of this but sure. but then you became you know people you became a caller and people liked you and yeah definitely i think uh public perception on the show switched quite a bit from the start to the end i think you're right i i saw a big shift in just my feedback you know the negativity going more positive and people asking me when we won't blame you. We'll blame Sw- blame Swizz when maybe the show didn't get posted on time. You're like, hey, where's the show? I'm waiting for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like really? Well, wow, okay. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. Right. There's that kind of stuff going on. And then I didn't get as much uh, hate on my VMs and all this. <laughs> and I feel like people, yeah, they, they, they came around to it. So that part, that part was really good. And it worked, you worked really hard on it. I mean, my whole idea, you know, you know, from the Howard Stern show, there's a Howard Stern wrap up show. And, you know, that I felt it was interesting to hear the guests that, didn't get on the show or were super fans of Howard or whatever, talk about the show and the different things. And, you know, that was kind of my idea of doing this and, yep. and, uh, you know, but also, yeah, thanks to the Michelin bicycle tire guys and guts and seal savers and motorsport for all stepping up for the show too. They believed in it also. So, um, yeah, you know, that was awesome to have people that were like, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a good enough entity that I would like to invest some money into it. 
Yeah, it was nice. I'm sure you made a fortune off of it. And you paid me a penance, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Was... I'm basically, I'm basically like Nike, and you were the um, Filipino uh, sweatshop worker. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yep. And I will, I will miss that that Listen, little bit of income. For the record, we split it fifty percent. You got fifty percent of the income that the show brought in, right? And and I got fifty percent. So just so people don't think we're <laughs> totally kidding, yeah, we're there. Are lots of jokes here, guys. If you don't know that by now, I don't know <laughs> what you what's going yeah. on. But yeah, it's a lot of ball busting. But but, but yeah, so um, you know, uh, you're on to greater and bigger things, and we've taken you in like um you know, like a caterpillar and you were leaving like a butterfly. <laughs> it's a beautiful butterfly. Think about this four years ago, maybe five. When I actually first met you, you probably don't even remember to think that now, like literally I'm working on an article. I talked to McGrath and RJ yesterday, Ricky Johnson for a mm-hmm. Damon Bradshaw article that I'll be doing tonight. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's come a long yeah, way. You're on your, you're on your way, you know? So it's good to see him. Yeah, I think the, the vital the vital guys are really pushing hard. Michael's doing a good job there, and mm-hmm. you know Brad, the owner, is is investing into the company with with your money and Lewis Phillips and the video guy and all of that. So that that's awesome. It's good to see, and um, you know you're, you're going to leave us behind. And and when you surpass Pulp, I hope you remember what I'll, we did for you. Never forget. Yeah, I do want to say as I did earlier, all the ball busting. You give me a lot of shit, but. As I've said many times, you're just off the air. You're a very giving and compassionate guy. You're not the not quite the asshole everybody thinks you are. Don't don't no. Just keep it that you, I'm an asshole. Okay, it's we'll fine. we'll keep the persona yeah. up. Never mind. Take it all yeah. back. All right, t- t- take it all back. It doesn't it, look. You told me I could talk about that eight hundred dollars. Yeah, as I said, I just I actually don't think I said you could talk about the eight hundred. I said we could talk about what happened with the hotel and everything. I really. We don't need to get into this again. I just didn't think it was going to go where it did. That's on me for not all realizing. This, all this criticism that I'm taking for bringing this up. Yeah. No one seems to remember that I actually did give you the credit card to put on, to, put, to put the money on. Right. That's true. You did. I mean, yes, I was maybe a jerk in bringing it up. Okay, I understand that. But there's the fact that I, I didn't bring it up and then laugh as you had to try to fight $800. <laughs> you know, I, I gave you the $800. Yes. So. I don't know. Let's just leave it alone. Yeah, but, it's yeah, in the past. I mean, it, yeah. uh, hopefully, I learned a lesson. <laughs> you know, and uh, w- it won't happen again. I hope. If right. It, right. If it does, so, I won't uh, tell are anybody. Are you still going to call into the show? Of course, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to listen. I may not listen to the whole show on Monday nights like I always do now, but uh, right. Yeah, of course, I'll call in, and uh, maybe I'll be able to call in at different times and ask questions of the guests or something. Like last night, I wanted to call Kenny because I don't have a contact with Kenny. He's like, I have questions. Let me get, but. I didn't want to call in twice, so yeah, I'll I'll still be I'll still be involved. Yeah, of course, allowed, you're not allowed to poach my guests right. for your vital for your vital columns. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's 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 fair, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. think that's fair. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Thanks for everybody for listening for the wrap up show. If you're listening to this, thanks for tuning in and and uh, over the years and uh, giving Jamie uh, some time and he has gotten like we said got a lot better. Show got better. It's a show about a show. It's, uh, like I said, all good things must end. And it is time for the wrap-up show to end. That's it, guys. We're out. That's a wrap on the wrap-up. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, buddy. All right, see you. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end. My only friend.
Of everything that stands